I'm Pastor Sam Klopfenstein. I'm the student pastor here, and it is my great privilege and my great honor to be standing here before you today and to have this opportunity to speak to you. I want to say thank you. My mother is here in the audience today. Thank you, Mom, for coming. She uh, typically has another church that she attends, but she made the choice to come and hear me today, and thank you for that. And there's some other individuals who made the choice to come and support me today, and I want to thank them as well. Before I begin preaching today, I just want to tell you a little bit about Sam Klopfenstein. Who is Sam? First, the last name is very hard to spell. We once had a pizza delivery person, they spelled it Klockenstein, like a clock. What got really interesting was I had an English teacher, and she's like, I'm going to spell your last name. And bless her heart, she really truly, I think she applied every grammar rule she could to trying to do my name. She started out thinking it was a C instead of a K, and then when we got to the Finstein, you know, it's F-E, but she's like, P-H. I'm like, well, not quite. It's a hard name to spell. Another thing about me, I love old Western movies. I'm a big uh, Western movie guy. Now, when I say that, most people are like, you know, I like Clint Eastwood or, yeah, Tombstone's a good movie. I go a little farther back than that. I like John Wayne and Roy Rogers. That's kind of what I do when I watch old Western movies. <laughs> I like to read. I'm an avid reader. I'm always enjoying reading a good book. I, I like novels. I also like to learn things. So right now I'm on a 900-page book on the life of George Washington. That one's taken a while for some reason. Another thing that's important to me is my family. I love my family. My aunt, my mother have been a huge support to me. Sally, both my grandfather and grandmother have passed away, but they were definitely my mentors and individuals who really invested in my life and helped me become the man of God I am today. But nothing gets me more excited than sharing the word of God, sharing what God has placed upon my heart. And God has placed something upon my heart for you today. We are getting ready to enter a time of fasting, of prayer. That's important. There is nothing like getting in the presence of Almighty God. Can I get an amen? There is nothing like that. When you get alone with God, when you take time to seek him, those are the moments that shape your life. They're the moments where your life purpose suddenly becomes clear. You know, I was 17 years old, kneeling down beside my bed in prayer when God said, I've called you to be a pastor. One moment in prayer, and that forever shaped my life. Moments in God's presence, they're the moments of fresh starts, of hope. You might feel bad. You might feel beat up, confused, and lost. You might have no direction in the moment. But you get in God's presence. You seek him. You take that time to just really go out of your way and say, God, what do I need to do in this moment? And suddenly your path forward looks clear. Time in God's presence is where that thing that's been holding you back, that struggle you've had in your life for a long time, it can become a part of your past because God gave you deliverance in that moment. I can trace who I am as a believer, as a man of God, to those moments in God's presence. So fasting and prayer, it's important. I want to explore with you today the importance of prayer and fasting. I also want to look at how do we position ourselves to pray? How do we position ourselves as we go into this time of fasting to really be where God can pour into our life? As I was preparing for this sermon last month, I asked myself and I asked God this question. I said, why is it so important to fast something? Why is it so important? What is the significance of this? And the realization I came to in prayer was this. I have a vase here. This vase represents our life. Now, it's pretty full right now. But the thing is, we get busy. There's lots of things going on in our life. And well, we got work. Then there's family, friends, 
All those social events that get put on your calendar, the social events you didn't necessarily mean to go to, but somebody invited you and you felt an obligation to go. Activities, you got kids, you got your favorite TV show, you got sports, you've got uh, fill in the blank, and suddenly it starts overflowing. Your life is just so full. There's all these things that are going on in your life, and it just can get to the point where it's just, it's hard. You get stressed. There's all this stuff going on. It just doesn't seem to be enough time for it all. Sometimes we just need to take a step back and make time for God. Can we agree life gets pretty busy? You know, there's been moments in my life I'm like, you know, if I could just have a 30-hour day, my life would be so wonderful. 30 hours, can you imagine? Six more hours to get stuff done. But the realization is in a month or two, we'd have that 30 hours filled up. It'd be just like 24. We'd have found something to fill that hole, that gap in our life. See, when we fast, we take something out of our life. We make room. Some people fast food. Some people, they fast television. Some people might fast uh, media, social media. Uh, some people do a Daniel fast. The goal is to replace whatever we've taken out of our life with prayer. You see, we take something out of here so it's not as full, and then we replace it with time and prayer because God wants to pour something into your life. God wants to do something great in your life, but if there's no room, how can he pour it into you? How can he pour wisdom into you? How can he pour guidance? If we've got our life so full, there's no room because we're so busy. The goal is to replace whatever we've taken out with prayer. You know, instead of spending 30 minutes scrolling through Facebook or TikTok, you know, you take that time and you pray. Or maybe you fast a meal, so instead of taking that time to go to a restaurant, you just open your Bible. You cannot be full and have room to receive something else. God wants to insert something into your life, guidance, answers, breakthroughs, but we have to make room for it. The conscious choice to remove something from our life and replace it with prayer creates that opening for God to insert something supernatural into our life. Our life is built on choices. If you want to become stronger, you got to work out some. You got to make that time in the gym. If you look at your life and you're like, you know, I could go farther in life if I maybe got a master's degree. I could get some more promotions at work. If you decide you want to get another degree, it's going to take some time. You got to put some effort, some money into that. Those choices are going to shape your life. If you have a dream, you have your dream house and you, there's a certain house you're looking and you're like, I want to live there someday. There's going to be some choice that's going to have to be made to lead you to hopefully maybe one day experiencing that dream. If you want to draw nearer to God, we have to make choices that create the atmosphere for that to happen. If we keep doing what we've always done, nothing changes. If we keep spending the same amount we've always spent and we keep making the same amount we've always made, we're not going to save more money. It's just going to stay the same because nothing's changed. We have to make a conscious choice. Fasting is making the conscious choice to make changes in our schedule, our routine, so that we can receive from God. The symbolism is we're emptying ourselves to make room for God to work. Today, I want to be very practical about this topic of fasting. I want to talk about three things that position your life to receive what God has for you that will lead, I believe, to some spiritual breakthroughs in your life. Really, this sermon is about making choices that position us to receive from God. God wants to bring some hope to you in the next three weeks. There's some answers you've been seeking. God wants to provide some answers. Maybe you feel drained and at the end of your rope, God wants to renew you. Christ Legacy Church, 
Our theme this month is all things new. God wants to do something new in your life. As we enter this time of fasting, the first thing I believe we must do is go out of your way. Go out of your way. You know, Pastor Fairman, I think you read my notes today. <laughs> We're going to Exodus chapter 3, Moses and the burning bush. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. He's curious. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any nearer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. Moses is taking his sheep along the same path he's traveled a thousand times. He's been doing this for 40 years. He's got a lot of experience. He knows the terrain. He knows the water holes. He knows it all. He's just scanning the horizon, looking for the next place. He's going to take his sheep, the next landmark. And he sees this bush. It's on fire. Well, Moses, he goes back to tending his sheep. But out of curiosity, he looks back at that bush to see how the fire is progressing. The bush isn't burning. It's on fire, but nothing's happening to it. Now, Moses, he spent a lot of time in this wilderness. He knows every plant out here, and there's no bush that he knows of that does not burn up. So he says, this is interesting. It's a great mystery. He decides to take a closer look. The Hebrew word here is sur, which means to turn aside. This bush was not on his route. He wasn't going in that direction. But he said, you know, I'm going to take, go out of my way. I'm going to do something a little different because there's something here. I need to figure this out. Sometimes we gotta go out of our way. We gotta say, God, I'm willing to change my routine. I'm willing to do things a little differently because I need to get in your presence and I need to get some things figured out. I need some answers. There is something powerful about going out of our way, about making intentional effort. Now, this is definitely true spiritually, but even just practically in our life, you know, the moments where we make the biggest memories, the moments that stand out to us the most are the moments where we go out of our way, where we change our routine, where we don't just do what we've always done. Sometime in my late teenage years, I got in the habit of whenever I go on a trip, I don't just go from point A to point B. I always look at the map and say, what can I do that's somewhat along the route? What detour can I take to maybe a museum or some, something where I can like just you know, go make some memories? And it's fun. It's, it's interesting because you get to go out of your way. There's something about going out of our way. See, we make no new memories. We experience nothing new. We learn nothing new. And we don't get as many funny life stories if we don't go out of our way sometimes. And spiritually, we don't encounter God if we don't go out of our way. We can't do the same thing we've always done and expect something new, something incredible. God wants to do something new in your life. When we're fast, we're not sticking to the same routine. We're seeking God in a deeper way. When Moses fasted for 40 days and went up to Mount Sinai, he went out of his way. He wasn't just in the habit of climbing mountains. He said, you know, I'm going up that mountain because I'm going to encounter God. There's going to be no distractions up there. It's just going to be me and him, and I need some answers. Most of us in this room, we probably aren't in the habit of just fasting on a regular basis. Some of us might be. 
But we're intentionally coming together as a church during these three weeks for prayer and fasting because we believe God has a great plan for Christ's legacy. Do you agree? Do you believe God has a great plan for our church? Amen. And so we're coming together because we believe God wants to use our church supernaturally. God has a plan in this coming year. And we want our church position to be used by God. We want to bring hope to the hopeless. We want to show the love of God to our community. During these three weeks, also in your personal life, there are some situations, some problems, some hurts, some questions, maybe some stresses, health issues, doubts, financial struggles, unsaved loved ones, fill in the blank. There's something in your life and you need God to answer that request. You need God to do something supernatural in your life. And what we're doing is we're taking that some time, we're putting extra effort into it, and we're saying, God, I need you in this area of my life. We are seeking him because God wants to answer our prayers. God has the answer. He has the wisdom. We just have to make the effort. Come into his presence and seek him. That's what we're doing during this time of prayer and fasting. If we want to receive something from God these three weeks, we must make an intentional effort. James 4, it says, come close to God and he will come close to you. Number two, you must have the right mindset. As we enter fasting, we got to have the right mindset as we do it. Now, fasting has health benefits. If you, you know, do a fast, there are some health stuff that can, benefits that can happen. Fasting social media, that might be a good thing, good for your mental health. You don't see everybody else's drama or all the craziness in our world for a few days. But the spiritual benefits of really hearing from God, of drawing near to him, those only happen if we have a right mindset. Our heart attitude is important. If our heart's wrong, our relationship with God will suffer. We cannot expect spiritual blessings and benefits from fasting if our heart's not right with God. For the rest of my sermon, I'm going to be focusing on a very particular story from the life of Elijah. Let me give you a little background. The nation of Israel has always had trouble with idolatry in the Old Testament. They keep not following God. They find a false god, and they worship that. They get distracted. At this particular time, Israel has a very wicked king by the name of Ahab. And Ahab, he takes this problem Israel has with idol worship, with idolatry, and he makes it worse because he imports the worship of another false god. He marries Jezebel, a Phoenician, and so he imports their main god, Baal Makart. Now, they've always had Baal worship uh, inside this nation of Israel. Uh, some of the tribes there or some of the uh, people who had lived in the land before that worshipped Baal. But this was a very specific false god, Baal Makart, that gets imported in. And so Ahab starts this fertility cult that's attached with this false god. As a result of the sinfulness, as a result of the people sinning, God says there's going to be a divine judgment upon the land. There's going to be no rain. Elijah pronounces this, and then he runs for his life. Elijah's a prophet of God. Ahab's trying to kill him. Well, Elijah, he returns 3.5 years later, and he challenges the prophets of Baal to a competition. He says, you make a sacrifice, put it on an altar, and see if your God answers with fire, like sends fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. I'll make a sacrifice, put it on an altar, and we'll see if God sends fire from heaven and, you know, burns up that sacrifice. He's like, whatever God answered by fire, let him be God. People are like, okay, sure, this is a good way to figure out who God is real, you know. So the prophets of Baal, they scream, they yell, they slash themselves with knives, blood goes everywhere, and they try all day and nothing happens. Elijah comes up there. He prays, and God sends fire from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. The people, they bow down to the ground. They say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Elijah feels good. You know, he then uh, 
As a result, he kills the false prophets of Baal. He's like, all right, the false prophets of Baal are dead. This sinful fertility cult of Baal worship, Baal's been discredited. This whole thing's done. Elijah's like, all right, nation's back on track, right? There's a problem. First Kings 19, one through four, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he'd killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I've not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid. He fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town of Judah, and he left his servant there. How often in life do we isolate ourselves when we're struggling? Then he went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he says, take away my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who already died. He's running for his life. He realizes that people really haven't repented. Oh, in the moment when the fire falls from heaven, they're like, oh, the Lord's God. But they hadn't truly repented. They hadn't totally turned to God. Elijah feels like a failure. He needs wisdom. Honestly, he needs to fast, seek God, say, what what do I do now? I've done everything I know to do, and the nation hasn't repented. Like, my job as a prophet was to tell the people how to repent. They didn't do it. I don't know what to do now. So Elijah's just ready to give up. He needs direction. But the issue is his attitude's wrong. If I'm being honest, I think Elijah was struggling to have faith and trust in God in that moment. He's depressed. He's frustrated. He's worn out. He's at the end of his rope. How many of you have been at the end of your rope before? Or maybe you're at it right now. You tried everything you can. You're trying to follow God, but just life is overwhelming. It says he laid down and slept under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel Lord again came and touched him and said, get up, eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Elijah, at this point in time, he'd already kind of started a fasting. You know, he'd gone through a lot. He hadn't eaten in a while. He sits down under this tree. I find it interesting. He's already basically started his fast, but God actually brings him food and says, Elijah, eat and sleep. Eat some more, sleep some more. Why? I believe the answer to that is quite simply, before Elijah really started this fast, before it was going to do him any good to fast, he needed the right mindset. You see, when God provided Elijah food, what God was actually doing was saying, I'm still your provider. If you look throughout the story of Elijah, God keeps supernaturally providing food for Elijah. There was a famine in the year for 3.5 years. So for a while, God sent ravens, and every single morning they fed Elijah. You know, we have DoorDash nowadays. Back then, I guess it'd be Elijah or uh, Raven Dash. Or (laughs) he just had food delivered to him every single day. He goes to a widow and, you know, she's about to cook her last meal. Her and her son are about to die because the famine's so bad, they're all about to die. And Elijah says, you know, God said, if you'll give me one little cake of food first, God will provide food all throughout the famine. And God does. So as Elijah's sitting under this broom tree, feeling like it's all over, God sends Elijah food. He says, it's not time to fast yet, Elijah. You got to get your attitude right first. I got to remind you, I'm still your provider. Remember the ravens? Remember when that widow woman kept scraping the bottom of the barrel, but every day there was more food? Remember who I am? Once Elijah got to that point where he's like, okay, God, I trust you. 
Then God's like, okay, now you fast for 40 days and now you go and I'll give you the answers you need. Sometimes we gotta really search our heart. We gotta say, God, is there something wrong inside me? Is my attitude right? Is my focus right? Because we can fast all day, all night. We can go two weeks without television. We can do whatever we want for our fast, but if our attitude's wrong, if we're just going through the motions, what good has it really done us? We gotta have, make sure our heart's right. And you know, the thing is, many times we don't necessarily intend to have the wrong attitude. We just get like Elijah. We just get overwhelmed, frustrated. We just end up at the end of our rope and we just don't have the right focus in that moment. Before we fast, we must examine our heart. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Oh, how many anxious thoughts we get sometimes. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. As we enter this time of fasting, let our prayer be like that of David. Oh God, search our heart. Search my heart. Show me if there's anything inside me that isn't right. Get me in a position where you can pour into my life and help me. I think that should just be our daily prayer anyways. Oh God, search my heart. And number three, we need a goal. Goals are important in life. I was looking at a Harvard business study. When they asked the participants in the study if they had a goal, 83% said they had no goals. I find that an alarming statistic. 14% had a plan, but they hadn't written it down. Now, those who had a plan were 10 times more likely to succeed than those without any goals. 3% of respondents, they had written down their goals. They didn't just have it in their mind. They actually had a plan written out. These individuals were three times more likely to succeed than those who had a plan but had not written it down. Goals are important. If I said I was going to drive somewhere and you said, well, where are you going to drive? And I just said, well, I'm going to get on the highway and the highway's just going to take me there. You might question my logic. I mean, we got a lot of highways running through Oklahoma City. We got I-40 West, I-40 East, I-35 North, I-35 South. We got a lot of roads and a lot of exits. If I just got on the road and I'm like, it's just going to take me there. That might not work. I believe God desires us to have a goal in this time of fasting. Prayer is always going to help us. But if we really want to see God move supernaturally in a specific area of our life, we need to have that as a goal. What are we praying for? What is your goal in this time of fasting? How is your life going to be different or look different when this is over? What do you want God to have specifically done for you? See, when we have a goal, that means we put thought, we put effort into it. When something's really important to us, we usually have a goal, an idea in mind. Throughout the entire Bible, people, they fasted and they prayed with a goal in mind. If there was a famine, they fasted, they prayed for deliverance, for food. If they were in need of deliverance because some nation was oppressing them, then they fasted. They had that goal in mind of deliverance. If the nation had turned their back on God, then they fasted for and prayed for renewal, for revival. If they were confused, they fasted, prayed for clarification. If they wanted to know what decision to make out of multiple options, and they prayed for wisdom. If someone was sick or dying, it might be a prayer for healing. Our time of prayer and fasting will be more effective and powerful when we have a goal in mind. What is the answer you need? That deep, heartfelt desire in you, that prayer you desire God to answer more than any other. What is that? 
Goal gives our prayers direction, intentionality, passion. We pray with more intensity when we have a goal in mind. So I encourage you as we enter this time of prayer and fasting, as we really seek God during this moment, choose three or four things and let those be your goal. Maybe it's just one or two, but find a couple things that say, this is my goal. This is what I want to answer to. This is the prayer that I want God to reveal uh, wisdom or direction to me in. You know, for me this week or this year, I'm praying for wisdom over the next three weeks. I'm praying for guidance as I lead the youth ministry. I want a youth ministry that really desires to follow God with all their heart and one that is like a family. I'm seeking God during this time for those I know who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, that those individuals would understand and accept the love of God, come to him and repent and allow him to help them in their life. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah, he gets to the mountain of God. His mindset's improved, but he still needs direction. He's fasted, though. And now he gets the answers he needs so badly. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 14 through 16, I'm going to go ahead and start in verse 15. It says, go back the same way you came. This is the Lord talking. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, Grandson of Nimshi to be king of Israel and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, to replace you as my prophet. God's telling Elijah, you're not alone. I've got a plan for you. There is a next step. Here's the next thing you need to do, the next part of your purpose. Elijah had a goal in mind. He needed to know what, to, what came next. He prophesied. He prayed. He showed Israel how to follow God, and he needed to know, what do I do now? Where do I go from here? And God answered that prayer. As we go throughout these weeks of fasting, of prayer, I encourage each of you, go out of your way, make intentional effort. You don't just naturally spend more time with God. You don't just naturally get a stronger marriage. You don't just naturally get better at your job. It takes effort. Make that effort. Seek God. Find out what he's trying to reveal to you. Be intentional. Have the right mindset. Spend some time just seeking God and just saying, God, Help me have the right mindset, the right focus in this moment and have a goal in mind. A goal gives direction, it gives focus, it gives passion to your prayers and to this time of fasting. I truly believe we're gonna come back in three weeks, we're gonna have some testimonies of what God has done because God is gonna work in our lives. But it all starts with us making room. If your life's completely full and there's no room, how's God gonna do something miraculous in your life? So over these three weeks, our life might look pretty full. But we need to find what we're going to pour out, what we're going to change, what we're going to fast so there's a little bit of room so that God has the ability to then pour into your life. So there's room for the miracles, the wisdom, and the guidance He wants to place inside your life. So my question today is, what are you going to fast? What are you going to do to remove in your life? What are you going to do so that you're in a place to receive from God so God can give you the answers you need? We're about to go into a worship chorus here. And during this time as we worship, I just encourage you all, just silently pray to say, God, what do you want me to fast during this time? And what are two or three things that I can have as goals? That I can, during these three weeks of prayer, that I really need to focus on because I need an answer in this area. I need wisdom in this area. I need help in this area. Find those things. Find those things you're like, God, I need this in my life. presence. I pray, Lord God, that as we go out, as we begin this week, Lord, 
as we begin this time of fasting and prayer that you would just place those goals inside our heart. Help us to know what you would have us to seek you for during this time. Help us to have the clarity of mind to know what we need to be praying for and seeking you for in this time. And I thank you, Lord God, that as we fast, you are going to do great and powerful things in the life of each and every single person in this room. We give you the praise, honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for coming. To those here in the sanctuary or online, thank you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.